William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. Here we go. Five o'clock hour. We'll get you an update on what's going on with the Hall of Fame game. Right now, nothing is going on. Five o'clock hour. Flamingo in Paradise. We're here every week. 77 cent beers tonight. And this is the special they do for regular season football games. We're offering it tonight. Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra Bottles. They have a great cafe here. I'm going to I'm gonna set you up. The audience, I'm going to set you up with a day next Saturday. Right? Here's what you do. You come over to Silver 7s. You get breakfast. They're redesigning the restaurant. I think the rebrand is City Cafe. This place is a great breakfast joint upstairs. When you're done with breakfast, you go over to UNLV. You go to Mendenhall. Because on... August 13th, two Saturdays from now. They have an open practice before the Runner Rebels go on their Canadian trip. They're going on a trip to Canada, a five- or six-day trip, three exhibition games. We'll have the broadcast on radio of those games. Wow. They're going to have video they'll post on YouTube after the games. But you get your first look, like your media, like you're a VIP, like you're an invited person to these practices. It's open to fans. 10 a.m. practice on the 13th, two Saturdays from now. The other thing is, I you know, people don't get to go look at Mendenhall. You see right. pictures of it. You know, the uh, oftentimes you're, you're seeing U.S. Uh, Olympic teams practice there. Um, I'm not saying they're there that day, but it's a fantastic facility. So you get to look at Mendenhall as well, a lot of memorabilia, and you get your first look up close at the new run of Rebels. So that's August 13th, 10 a.m., Mendenhall. I think it's 10 to noon. And then afterwards – um, and by the way, it's free admission. Afterwards, they're going to sign autographs. And if the guys are like they were last year, and I saw a couple of them did it, they're, they make a really big deal to the players to be engaging. So a lot of times the first time you walk into the gym, and many times it's you know multiple times when you walk in the gym, the players just come up to you and they're like, hey, you know, I'm Victor. Yeah. Introduce yourself to them. So it's going to be really cool. Meet and greet. You get to watch them. And they go hard in practice. Oh, I mean, I got to watch them for the first time the other day when we were out there between football practice and whatnot. And uh, I will say this, watching them up close, they are a very physically imposing team. Like, they look like they every bit, they are every bit of a D1 program. And they're going to be, if what you see from them physically translates to the court, look like they're going to be a pretty dang good defensive team, man. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Love talking TV on the show. That's kind of my release, watching all the different series. And I know you're catching up on an awesome show on Amazon. You stumbled on this, though, right? The Boys? Yeah, well, so I've always known about The Boys. Like, you know, it's uh, the, there's a lot of memes that come from the show, and I've always seen little clips here and there, and I've always been interested in it. And I think you and I talked about this one night where it was, you know, I'm a Marvel guy, right? Like, I, I, not that like I'm a super nerd about it, but I enjoyed like those movies and I enjoyed comics when I was a kid. But I always wondered, like, what if there was a darker side to these? Like, if they were just people, so they started to fall into temptations, or they were just kind of garbage, or the political. Like, I don't think it's really ever covered in comics. The actual political aspects of having super powered human beings that worked for countries would be absolutely insane. So when I read more about the boys, I was like, dude, this show's right up my alley. Well, I found out, and you're pretty, you're pretty good with your money. This, is a, this was a big slip through on mine because my wife orders so many things from Amazon. 
So when I would see this price come up in my finances from Amazon, I just assumed my wife had been ordering right, something. Right, right. Turns out I've been paying for Amazon Prime for like the last six months, and I had no idea. So I was like, all right, well, since I've got this, let me check out what they have to offer. There were two shows I wanted to watch, and they're actually both superhero shows. It was The Boys, and it was Invincible, that animated show um, that they have up there. And so started watching The Boys. We're five episodes in, and I'm in. I think Isabel, my wife, is like tentatively in. I've gotten her to sit and watch the five episodes. I think it's a lot darker for her than she expected, but she's at that point oh. still where she's like, she's like, okay, I'll watch the next one. Okay, I'll watch the next one. I'm full in. Like if she jumps ship at any point, I'm watching all of them. But right now, she seems kind of into it. But I, it's, I very it's, much it's, enjoy uh, it. It's grotesque. Oh, it's great. Like it's really violent. <laughs> but the main character, Homelander, is unreal because it's exactly what you said. Like, what happens if? the ultimate superheroes have vices and can't control themselves and aren't good all the time. Right. It could be pretty dangerous. Well, and then, like, and it's so brilliant with the tie-in. This isn't a big spoiler for anybody who's watching it, but just the tie-in of corporate America to these guys, to these superheroes, and, like, where money and image are the bottom line, and they're talking about, like, poll numbers and points and all these things that these guys got to do. It, uh, it's, it's, it's a really good show. Like, I'm super into it. I just like this, the gritty realism of it. And for anybody who hasn't watched it, you get hooked in the first five minutes with what happens to the main like protagonists, love interview, whatever. Like it's it's absolutely brilliant, and I I've loved every second of it so far. Number four. By the way, can I just add to number five really quickly? I also love the addition of the c word as a curse with our number our friend four. Carl Urban, the actor, aka uh, Billy Butcher. Awesome. Number four. All right, you better stop it. You. Oh, he's going to try. It was slipped. There you go. Relax. Is that our, that's, the by, by the way, that's our, that's our drop. For, Relax. Relax. No X. I don't, I don't think we need to relax on Whit Merrifield or Field. Uh, the Royal second baseman, outfielder, got traded to the Blue Jays. Uh, he was the leader of the Freedom Brigade in Kansas City. They had like 10 guys who didn't get vaccinated. Yep. Ben Benintendi was one of the dudes. He goes to the Yankees. He's vaccinated. Well, there's a difference with Toronto. To get into Canada, you got to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. The stuff coming out on this is kind of weird. Like, he ain't going to be eligible for weeks. And then I saw a statement today. Uh, Toronto Star reported. And for folks who don't know, Merrifield, longtime second baseman outfielder for the Royals, you know, has not been vaccinated. I want to repeat that. Uh, we saw this a lot in football has not been vaccinated, has to make a decision here what he's going to do. I saw a report from a, a writer with the Toronto Sun. Uh, the organization saying, uh, obviously we know he wasn't there in Toronto, uh, but it's totally up to him whether he gets vaccinated. Wait, you traded for him? And I mean, I guess technically <laughs> it is up to him, but I would hope right. you got a commitment. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure he's had convos with his family and other people. This is the uh, manager of the Jays. We're leaving that decision up to him. You know what? At this point, I hope he doesn't. Well, I, I hope he doesn't, and he can only play in road games. And the Jays are like, like you know, they're look, looking upstairs. They're like, wait, we didn't iron this out before he got traded here. I have to, I have to tarnish your hopes here a little bit. As of two hours ago, he has confirmed that he's been vaccinated. Okay. So do we, do we know Johnson and Johnson? He's eligible in about a week. If he gets anything else, and he's got to get, I think, two shots to be officially. Max, and then he'd have to. That's probably a two or three week waiting period. He'll be able to travel north of the border when the team concludes its road trip and returns home on August twelfth. Okay, so, so they're, they're in the days. midst of a nine game road trip. Yep. All right, so it's taken care of. So relax. But no, but relax. But it is a it's a weird scenario. And I will tell you the other 
The thing that I thought was interesting, and I got to follow up with some of the Kansas City people we know, uh, the Royals, with one of their best players, were kind of fed up with the uh, nonsense because he was the kind of the leader in convincing other people not to get vaccinated. And I'm telling you, if you go back to last year, and the Royals are not a super talented team, but the Royals were a disaster all year long, and especially on the road because when you went on the road last year, MLB had those crazy rules where you couldn't go out. Right. So the team goes on the road most of the season. They're all locked down because 10 guys didn't want to get vaxxed. What do you think that does to team chemistry? Do you think you want to work with people like that? Of course. Or when one of them comes out, Ben Attendee, and says, yeah, I'll do it if I go to a better team. Right. Things like that. You guys don't matter. Right. I'm not, we're not competitive. Not a big deal to me because we suck. And it's also, as we've discussed with both of these guys and all these, like it's, it's not a real stance. If you're willing to come off of the stance to get vaccinated, it's not a real stance. Say what you will about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving still hasn't gotten vaccinated. And Kyrie Irving is still standing. Uh, whatever you make of the platform he's on, he's still there. And the stance that he, he is taking, he believes in. The stance he has taken has cost him an extension. Right. Like hundreds of millions of dollars. He still hasn't gotten it. And he still hasn't gotten it. So that's that's, that's that does, a stance. That, that is a stance. Number three. Speaking of hoopage. You know, a lot of people have a question about the Lakers. Darvin Ham's a new coach. He's an experienced guy. He's a former player. Will he be allowed to coach the way he wants? Uh, I love this. is from this uh, and Yovan Buha, who's been on the show before, works for The Athletic, uh, does a great job covering the Lakers. This is from one of his most recent mailbags, talking about the closing lineup or projected closing lineup for the Lakers is currently constructed. Uh, so he goes through, you know, based on the, the roster, project the closing lineup to look something like this. Uh, notes that I think Westbrook will often be in there too, but it will de- depend on how he's shooting, his decision-making, and his defense. Lakers head coach Darvin Ham will have more power to bench Westbrook down the stretch of games, according to league sources. He's the coach. What do you mean he's going to have more power? He should have all of the power to do this. It is absolutely ridiculous that this is a topic of conversation. And again... When you talk about the way the Lakers are run, like a super rich mom and pop shop, and you've got 12 cooks in the kitchen trying to figure out how to make an omelet, when the sous, when the sous chef you hire is sitting there going, just let me make it, and everybody's like, mm, I don't know, we got to do that. that. That is, it is ridiculous, but it's also wonderful. And side note, by the way, because the Lakers matter today, as of today, LeBron can sign an extension if he wants. Two years, I think it's like $92, 93000000 million. They met with the Lakers today. Nothing came of it. So these sort of things matter, but this place is hilarious. Probably not enough time to have this discussion, and I definitely want to have a, a longer one about this. I think it was the Herd show I was listening to, because we copy everything from them. Uh, no, they do a really good show. And they were getting into what LeBron does with this contract and then what the end of his career looks like. He wants, to pl- he wants to play with Bronny. Right. So the Knicks are going to overdraft Bronny so they can finally land LeBron? That's a great question. <laughs> Overdrafting. His son's not his son's good. His son like his, his son is the number I think 34 recruit in his class. Oh. There's a good chance he goes to school somewhere, especially if it's a major school. Averages 7 points a game. Comes out after that year. What do you do? First round pick. Uh, do you, first round pick to get, you know, uh, at that point what is LeBron? 40 and 41? Yeah. Not even like, that. Like is it a money investment? Like you're not I mean, LeBron will still be a very – I mean, he'll be one of the more amazing, you know, 40-somethings to ever play basketball, and there's not many. Like, Kareem was up there. Um, 
So what? What's the decision going to be like for for Bronny? Does someone actually draft him top ten because they're like, we're going to get LeBron, we get like two or three years of uber money. Let's just do it. Not even that. Not even drafting him. Somebody trades up to get him. Right? <laughs> it doesn't, it's not even about drafting him. It's about shipping off assets to get the selection to then overdraft him just for the shot of getting LeBron James for a year or two. What would you put the certainty that LeBron goes wherever Bronny is drafted? Oh, I I mean, I think it's favorite. I don't know if 95, but it's favored. It's, it's a good size favorite. He has favorite. to, right? I mean, it's come up so many times, and he's brought it up so many times. I think that would probably be it. So, I, And I can't remember. How old is this kid? He's a junior. I mean, heck, by the time there's these conversations about what's going on with CBA and 18-year-olds, the kid can come straight out. That, too. That could change. Right? So you don't even have to worry about the year in college, and then they could just talk themselves into drafting on potential. Number two. I don't really have a favorite Las Vegas Raider. You know, I like covering the guys, watching them. I like them all equally. Um, yeah, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> um, I think Hunter Renfro is really growing on me with this Uber story. What the hell happened here? So I stumbled upon this because I follow a couple of them on Instagram. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it was Devontae Adams who put in a video. It's him, Derek Carr, and who was the third in the back seat? I can't remember who the third. I, I, either way, it was six foot three, six. Six one and six three, sitting in the back of this mini Uber, and Hunter Renfro, the smallest of all of them, is up front, which is ridiculous. Right. But with his knees to his chest, so and what apparently a report came out that says Hunter Renfro was debating on a twenty three dollar Uber or a forty five dollar Uber XL, and he went with the cheaper. It's option. a tough call when you sign a thirty two million dollar extension. But here is the thing, touche. No, but here is the thing, this. And I will, I'm willing to bet this now as we move forward with Hunter Renfro. This is how rich people stay rich. Right? Hunter Renfro is good with his money. And he's like, you know what? You guys can fit for a 15-minute ride. I'm going to save 9 bucks, and work, Or whatever it was. Actually, 22 Sorry. I'm going to save 22 bucks for a little less comfort because that's going to stay in my Do account. you ever get the XL? I've never gotten it before, no. I mean, because it's always just me and Isabel. So, I right. like, I've never really had to get the XL. I get it when we're traveling because... There are a lot of times you get a small car, and I'm I'm actually shocked how many times we, if we're traveling, we order a car, and then they pull up as a small car, and the trunk is full of crap. Yeah. I'm like, we can't get the luggage in here. Like, what's going on? Yeah. So better safe than sorry. Just get something bigger. But, again, I always think about it, the money difference. Hunter Renfro probably doesn't have to. And did he, did he sneak it by the other guys? Right. I just didn't let him know. Like, and they I, probably would have, like, dude, we'll, we'll – Venmo you, because we're rich. That's, well, that's a whole different thing. We'll, can we, well, we can send you twenty dollars for the for the bigger car. Because think about it, that's the other thing. What if he actually well, not only got the regular Uber that was only twenty three dollars, but he's like, yeah, guys, divided by four, you guys each owe me like six bucks, <laughs> and, and force them to Venmo him the money. Number one. Well, our topic. Four number one is, hey, what are we looking for in this Hall of Fame game? For it to start. How about just a game? Because <laughs> right now, all the shots on NBC are guys in the press box and huddled in the tunnel. Uh, longtime veteran Jack Collinsworth with uh, Chris Sims and uh, why am I blanking on? Mar- uh, uh, Harrison. Yeah, Randy Harrison. Yeah. And then upstairs, I think it was uh, Dungy and actually making his debut, Jason Garrett. I saw that. I didn't realize he was on NBC. By the way. Yeah, Garrett got Drew signed Brees. by NBC. But right now there's a – there's a weather issue, and, I mean, this is one of those games that 
coaches aren't exactly in love with playing in the first place. So what do they do? And you were just going to say something about Drew Brees. Oh, he's he's like persona, like Arthur Fist personified, right? He's sitting at home with a clenched fist watching Jason Garrett do analysis. No, he didn't want to do it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, Brees he wanted... didn't want to do it. He's sitting back on. He walked. <laughs> this fool. I never wanted to do that job. Uh, yeah, no. I think Garrett's going to be good. I have no idea. But, like, see, I go back to this all the time. Like, I don't, I don't care. You could put an animal up there that's just drooling the whole time. I'm going to watch the game. Like, it doesn't right. really matter. And I also think that studio analysis is some of the most boilerplate boring analysis ever because they only have a limited window to get it in, and they don't really go in depth, that it doesn't matter who's up there. Um, by the way, earliest start time, 8.40 p.m. Eastern time. That's the earliest. So wow. that's not a confirmed time. That's just the earliest time which they can start. What were you looking for? Well, I don't know how much, like you said, starters. Like I, I think more it's like watching some offensive line depth, right, just how some of those guys perform individually, what that looks like. Um, I was really interested to see some of the deeper guys on the depth chart in terms of defensive tackle to see who we're going to play there. I mean, you're not – I think in a Hall of Fame game, you're not really looking for that much because the guys who are playing a vast majority of those snaps are fringe roster guys, which if they're playing meaningful snaps in a regular season, it's probably not great for your team or the position, right? So I don't think you're really looking for much other than, hey, it's football. Let's watch a bunch of, like, watch a bunch of power eye formations and quick slants and let's get the day started. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. The relationship between the league and the union is really important, and I think when Roger Goodell made the decision to appeal this decision by the third-party neutral arbitrator and Judge Robinson, he didn't do so to add two games. I fully expect when it's all said and done, Deshaun Watson does not play in the season, and I think that's what the league's message was when they filed the appeal yesterday. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Former Jets and Miami executive Mike Tannenbaum on the national show right here on ESPN Las Vegas, the national morning show. Judge Dan, we need experts in here. Judge Dan is back from a long trip to Africa. We'll have to get into that at some point, maybe if we have time today, but... He does radio on the fan in Denver. He's up with JVT and Cofield. Dan? You know what was funny was, remember when uh, Tannebaum was on Hard Knocks? Uh, that was right at the time I was at law school, and I had like four or five people say, Dan, this guy's a boob. You would be a better GM than him. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm a Dolphins fan, so, you know, that makes me weep. Uh, but they, they actually said I would be a better GM than Mike Tannebaum. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Um, he does decent analysis work for ESPN. Uh, I, I want your take on, first, what Sue L. Robinson came down with, the retired judge, with that initial six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, maybe next segment we'll have to talk about, you know, I got a couple new cats uh, that you saw. But uh-huh. as far as, yeah, yeah, as far as uh, that, that suspension, it was very perplexing, wasn't it, Cofield? Like, hey, the conduct was egregious, and I know I don't know about you guys in Vegas, but out here, like we we compared, you know, the, the suspensions other people have had for like weed or you know just anything tripping over, you know, you know their shoelace, and the league has handed out substantial penalties in the past, 
And here, uh, Robinson said, no, I agree. The conduct is egregious. So she's not saying he's innocent. She, you know, he, she was clearly saying he's guilty. Now, I, I think if I remember right, she only looked at five cases that the NFL submitted. But still, she found, this arbitrator found, he was guilty. And then said, eh, six games. Well, she also well, said, she said nonviolent sexual contact. And I think what the way she looked at it was, this is nonviolent as compared to violent cases where the penalties really haven't been that severe. I think she felt within the NFL's rules and precedent that she couldn't give him more than six games. Well... Well, you, you could because the league asked for more. And is there is there such a thing as a nine non-violent sexual like rape um, or sexual assault? I don't think there is. I mean, a sex crime is a you know, especially in this case, is a a crime of power, right? I mean, that's what that was. So I don't know that I buy into it was non-violent. Uh, obviously, there were 24 to 30 women that said, hey, this was against our will. So it wasn't consensual. So if it's not consensual, I don't care if he punched her or not. It's not consensual. And it was sexual in nature. So I I really don't buy into that. And then, you know, you have people that got six games for smoking weed, right? So I, I, I don't agree with th th this premise that, well, you know, her... Former precedent, you know, tied her hands. I, I, I don't see that. Well, and that's kind of what I want to ask you because she talks about precedent. What did the argument be? Well, this is a somewhat unprecedented case given the magnitude and the volume of accusations against him, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like this, this is a yeah a case unto itself. So she she should have ruled. You know, I, I would think a little more harshly, but now here, here's the great thing, right? The, the NFL filed their appeal, and unless something came down that I'm not aware of, guess who hears the appeal? Either Goodell or his staff. And well, they, 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 the they, they assigned a former attorney general who they've leaned on before, a uh, former attorney general from New Jersey or in New Jersey. He was the uh, attorney general there. So he's, he's the one who's going to look at this case. But he's also he's got precedent of – uh, at least two cases where he actually sided with the NFL in the past with Zeke Elliott and Scott McLuhan, who was the former GM of the Washington team. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Like, so that's the that's why the NFL system is so screwed up. Like, okay, you go you go before the tribunal and you get a ruling, and if they don't like it, they just appeal it up to either Goodell himself or whoever they pick. <laughs> like in this case, they pick this guy. So it's really kind of a sham kangaroo court type thing. Dan, sit tight. We'll take a break. Come back after the break. We wanted to talk about if the suspension is moved to like 12 or 16 games. NFLPA and Watson, I'm sure, are going to want to take this to court. And we'll ask Judge Dan on the way back if Watson has any chance in the court system. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Probably great news for Brittany Griner, but it lets the case move from the legal world to the diplomatic world. Even though it is clearly an illegitimate process, they treat it like it's real. Brittany Griner took it seriously, begged for the court's mercy. It didn't work. Whether the sentence was a year or 10 years, the length of her detention is going to be determined by however long it takes to cut a deal between those two countries. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. 
That's TJ Quinn, ESPN. We'll get to Griner. She got a nine-year sentence today. That was the verdict in Russian courts for a vape pen that they say she illegally smuggled in. Judge Dan is with us, one of our legal experts in the 5 o'clock hour here at Silver 7s. We were just talking about Deshaun Watson. Six-game suspension handed down by uh, the independent Sue L. Robinson. Now someone from the NFL, kind of, and Peter Harvey, who's a former attorney general, of New Jersey back in the early 2000s will hear the appeal. I, I, Frankly, Dan, I don't even know why we have to wait. I mean, I assume he's going to side with the league because I, I think as the process is described, he doesn't see any new evidence. He sees the same exact stuff, and right. this, should be, this should be a relatively quick decision, and I would assume that he's going to deliver what Goodell wants. Yeah, it's my understanding they basically, you know, each submit a brief, basically, um, each side submits a brief and argument, and then he just you know rules. Is you know they're they're not going back into a courtroom with him uh, at all. So I can guarantee you this: the the punishment is going up, not down. So if the punishment goes up, Ian Rapport, who works in the NFL Network, the other day said on Pat McAfee's radio show that he expects Watson's people to take this to court. So my first question would be: if this is taken to court. What are the chances we get the Zeke Elliott situation, which was he fought it in court. That suspension was stayed until November. We actually see Watson on the field in week one. Well, they, they, uh, I, um, I don't think that's likely. I think for Deshaun Watson's purposes, he probably wants to, to just eat the, the suspension, right? Like, hey, whatever it is, I have to just get through this because if you – you know, kick this thing out. And, and by the way, I, you know, I'm not sure on, um, you know, how that would play out, but I don't think you have real solid footing to challenge it in court anyway. Um, now maybe, maybe they could, I mean, they, obviously they can, and they, you know, they, you know, they have the ability to file something, but I'm not sure that they would prevail. And so if you're uh, Deshaun Watson's team, you, you, I mean, you have to do a calculation, right? Cause he's already missed one full year and he's probably going to miss an entire second full year, right? And you really want to fight and drag it off into next season. The best thing for Deshaun Watson, if you're looking at from his perspective, is get this over with and get back on the field so everybody can forget about it. I, I would not, if I were his team, I would not be looking to drag this thing out. Well, it's funny because his team actually came out after the Drudge Sue Robinson and said, yeah, we actually deserve zero games, but they're not going to appeal. Oh, right, yeah, exactly. We- so my second question would then be, so my, my colleague over at VEASAN where I, I work full-time, uh, Michael Lombardi, works in uh, several front offices in the NFL. Something he brought up when, it's, when this eventually goes to court is one of the things that worked for Goodell was that she found in her report that he actually did these things, right, that there's no real debate of that. It was just the violence, nonviolence, thing like that. So if this goes to court, how big is it that just at the base level of it, she said, oh, yeah, of the cases I reviewed, he did those things. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I, I think it's – if you're Deshaun Watson, you do not want a light being shined on, shown on your behavior, right? You want to keep everything off that. So, you know, this isn't Tom Brady, you know, deflating footballs. This is sexual assault. And, and like you said, uh, Robinson found him egregious. She, she said he's guilty. He did this. It's egregious. And so they really have to be, you know, careful in their calculations as to how much they want to push this thing, um, to, uh, to be honest with you. So I would say they need to tread carefully. 
you were just talking about if you were part of Watson's legal team, you know, what you would have advised him on. The NFL did offer a final settlement of 12 games, but he'd be fined 8 to $10 million. Should he have accepted that? Well, what's he, what's he guaranteed? 230 $230 million? Well, He's guaranteed, I think. No, you're right. I think it is. I was thinking of Kyler Murray's deal. No, he yeah. is guaranteed north of, I think the entire of, deal. of $200 million. He also yeah, Remember, it, he also has a deal this year where he gets paid nothing, and all the money is backloaded. The Browns, in cooperation with Deshaun Watson, basically said, blank you to the league. Exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, hey man, you're guaranteed two thirty. Uh, should they have considered it? I think. Well, I think what 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 happened was they got wind of what was coming down uh, ahead of time, which was also why they leaked out the statement. Hey, we're we're going to accept the punishment no matter what it is. We won't appeal. We encouraged the league to do the same because I think they got wind that the the punishment was going to be fairly light. Uh, yes, but to answer your question, Steve, yeah, absolutely. I think when they had $12 million on the table, or excuse me, 12 games and $8 million on the table, uh, maybe they could have negotiated down the fine, which now is what, zero? Like, like, like they're not finding him anything right now, which I think will change. But yeah, if I were him, I would try to get through this thing as quickly as possible. And if the league was offering less than a full year... Now, of course, 12 games is tough, right? Because that, that essentially means the team has to go through the entire season, try to make the playoffs, and then you would, you know, back in, you know, co- you know come in the back door at, like, game 12 or, you know, game 13, basically. That's tough. Uh, coming in and start playing in, you know, week, you know, game 13 is tough. So I can see why, you know, they weren't happy about that. Judge Dan is with us. Judge, attorney in the Denver area, does sports radio. Executioner? On the fan. I didn't say executioner. <laughs> they um, do that. They actually run liners that say judge, jury, <laughs> executioner. Oh, wow. It's the Judge Dan Jacob show. I wanted to get your personal take on this, and I wish I knew what Robinson got paid to do this. Would you participate in what essentially is a sham? They just want someone outside you know, of the NFL to make a judgment and have this appeal process. Like, would you participate in something like this, say, as, you know, a retired judge 15 years from now? Like, what what is the benefit for her? Like, is it is it all about money? I mean, I think I'd be annoyed at that they're like, no, your oh, decision good sucks. God. Oh, good. Uh, I mean, think about. So so here's what happens with, with these former lawyers and judges. They go to these big firms, uh, Jams or uh, Jag or two of them out here in Colorado, where they charge a thousand dollars an hour to just do these type things all day they're called either arbitrations or mediations and it is easy money to do these things right so you put this thing on your resume i mean think about how many more of those cases you can draw in so i'm sure this is going to be great for her you know retired you know know, arbitration business or, or mediation business my only issue is she didn't have to be a, it didn't have to be a sham. Like she made it a sham in her ruling. Something that Justin Watkins pointed out yesterday. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but Sue Robinson also said that the personal conduct policy should apply to the owners as well. Uh Oh, that was her recommendation. <laughs> she said, based on the rules, your owner should also fall under this as well. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to look at that. Of course, people brought up, uh, you know, the craft thing, uh, which was the craft thing was problematic 
from a prosecution standpoint uh, point the entire time. So, but some people are like, well, what about Robert Kraft? Like, you know, he did this. Uh, that's interesting that she would say that. I would have to actually look at the policy to do that, uh, to, to look at that. However, uh, you, you and I both know that's not going to happen. No, no. But, I mean, it is absurd uh, that there are, you know, two sets of rules because the people who really have power around the NFL are the owners, and there are, you know, going back, 15 years there's at least six organizations that have owners embroiled in you know something as i'll say as small but it's not you know workplace issues in terms of hostile workplace and then you can go all the way up to you know jerry jones and one of his employees uh you know have with a big payout because they were sexually harassing women filming them uh, snyder's got like seven different layers of harassment and workplace issues you know, if the same rules applied, it'd, it'd be pretty incredible to see well, what happens to some of the owners. Well, it's not the same rules. Uh, owners face different rules, right? Like, so, for, for example, Stephen Ross in Miami, if they find that he did something improper, the owners themselves can meet meet out punishment right. on him. So it's not necessarily the same rules, but it's not like they don't have to follow rules. Like, right. if, they, if they do something egregious, they can be punished. It does seem, though, that they're in fear of each other. You know, like, I've got your secrets, you've got mine. Let's not go too hard at anyone. And who knows? Listen, Steve Ross could go rogue. Sounds like he's he's been really pissed off about that million-and-a-half-dollar fine that he got for tampering in the first and third-round pick. So I, he, he might go, you know, a little batty here. Hey, let's close on this, Dan. Uh, Dan does sports radio in Denver. So not the greatest the last four or five days in terms of injuries. What's the mood around the Broncos with uh, Tim Patrick, who's, you know, he's not a number one, but – He's a damn good number three receiver going down with a torn ACL. Well, he's really a number two. So he's a number two receiver. They, they really want Jerry Judy to, to become something special. But right now, uh, Tim Patrick was – he actually leads the league in touchdowns, I think, the last – not the league, the team in touchdowns the last two seasons. Tim Patrick is a huge, a huge part of that receiving core. So that's not good. I'm, it's just simply not good at all. Um, so we're um, – you know, the, the, it, and, and by the way, this offense is not clicking y- yet either. So so the Russell Wilson show is still to be determined. Obviously, will it be fine during the season? I think it will. But there have been some rough patches here in camp. And by the way, we didn't we didn't talk about uh, uh, Griner. That's a good point. Let's get to it. Let's get I must I must skip right past it. All right. So right. she gets nine years from the Russian court. Uh, there's already been a deal presented by the United States, uh, you know, a guy who's in jail for 25 years. Um, Merchant of Death is his nickname. Uh, Russian prisoner Correct. here for Griner and another American in uh, Russia. So what do you think of the process? And now what do you think the United States should do, will do? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's a sham, obviously. I mean, nine years for having a hashish vape cartridge is not in any realm uh, you know, fair, but they knew that they were just going to put this down because they're basically negotiating with, with the U S and Russia needs a victory, right? They need from a public relations standpoint, they need a victory. And this is going to be, you know, because quite honestly, and I don't want to get into politics, but quite honestly, the United States and other allies have been very tough, you know, in that, uh, Ukraine war, you know, what they're doing, like, like, they're basically arming Russia's enemies, right? According to Russia, so Russia need needs some way to get a victory, and this 
for them for, you know, was you know, an excellent opportunity. So yeah, she'll um, she'll have to. You know, they're they're going to trade, right? You know that merchant of death guy. You know they're they're going to trade him, but now now all of a sudden, oh well, we want something else too, right? Yeah, this could turn into a, a PR disaster. So feel bad for her. You know, I don't know. I, I don't think she intentionally. Well, what what does it matter? I mean, right. I keep hearing people matter. say like their their laws are their laws. I mean, come on, folks. Everyone out there knows people who use vape pens, who actually, from a therapeutic standpoint, actually need weed. And what if it happened to one of your relatives? You know, what if you all of a sudden were some political pawn and you're, you know, your relative or you are facing nine years in jail? Or are you just going to be like, well, tough luck. Those are the laws. Right, exactly. Dan, got to get you on soon because I want to talk. How long were you in Africa? How long was the trip? Well, with with all the flights and everything, it was almost two weeks. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we were in there working at the orphanage for like, eight nine days but yeah i had cats i had the cheetahs cofield you're a cat guy right? i, I cat actually guy. i actually thought they were fake i'm like there's no way he's standing next to or in between two real cheetahs no and those are by the way we'll talk about it later but those are real deal cheetahs like like how they eat they just let them go and they go sprint down like a wildebeest oh and then i said well how do you get the cats what? back yes yeah i said well how do you get them back he says, "Well, we follow them in the van, and generally, when cheetahs, after they're you know digging out like on a wildebeest or an elk or whatever, I mean whatever the heck they're eating, they get tired, and so they're so tired after they sprint, you know, hunt down these you know wildebeest that we can get them back in the car or the, the van or whatever to get them back. But no, those are real deal cheetahs, dude. It was scary, and they were actually they were not in a good mood. Like right before I took that picture, the." <laughs> The, the trainers had to like kind of kick them into shape and then they were like yeah you you come here yeah you're, you're here. up yeah I'm like are you kidding me and then I'm um, so I'm behind these cheetahs and th- th- then he says well touch them I'm like dude if I touch them the wrong way they're already in a bad mood I'm dead I'm gonna die but it worked out Dan thank you glad you're back uh, we'll talk to you soon yes, sir all right cool there he is Dan Jacobs host on the fan in Denver, Judge Dan, real real judge. Yeah. Not just a nickname. Uh, practicing attorney as well. All right, what just happened in the Raiders game? They got started. Josh Jacobs on the field. Alex Leather went on the field. Stiddy well, leading the offense. Was that was running with the threes the other day, so is it really that great that he's out there to start the game? He's battling for a job. He he's, got, he's got to make up some ground. Uh, but, no, Raiders get the ball. First pass, actually, 31 yards. Tack on a rough in the passer, so they go from their own 25 to the Jacksonville 29. Uh, just like that, but get bogged down after that. Settle for a field goal. Daniel Carlson, good. They're up 3 nothing. Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. About five minutes into the Hall of Fame game, Raiders in Canton taking on the Jaguars. 3-0 lead. Las Vegas right down the field, aided by a roughing the passer. Josh Jacobs is playing. Mm-hmm. I saw Vic Tafer make the comment that uh, Jacobs playing says a lot. Speaks volumes. Hmm. 
What do you think that means? Uh, I mean, I think do you think it means something? I think he's trying to infer that Jacobs is not the starting running back. Yeah, Josh Jacobs starting in the Hall of Fame game speaks volumes. I made the joke. Look, I mean, the irony of the Hall of Fame game is that Hall of Famers don't play, right? right. Like, you don't see guys that are going to be impactful players play meaningful snaps in games like this. And I think what you're trying to infer there is that Jacobs is probably second on the depth chart or a little bit deeper on the depth chart because he started this game. Dude is not expendable. That's pretty rough, but right. you know what I'm saying. Right tackle battle. Brandon Parker, Alex Leatherwood. Both are playing. Yep. What? Yeah, Parker started at left tackle. Leatherwood's at right tackle. Adam Hill, if you listen closely, earlier in the week, was kind of hemming and hawing and dancing around who would be the starters on the offensive line. There might be a starter not with the organization right now. So okay. I actually think that speaks volumes, that Parker and Leatherwood are getting a lot of time in this game because they may be looking from outside the organization for the right tackle. Doesn't mean those guys are gone, but that they may slide in as twos and they may have to get someone else to challenge for right tackle. And, and there's, at least from a name perspective, there are tackles that are out there that would be available to kind of plug and play. Um, but also, look, we're talking about them getting extended time. It's only the second series for the Raiders. Right, they could be out there for just this series and then just be out immediately right after this. So, stick your hand in there, Dave. So, yesterday we had a lot of talk about Vin Scully, passed away a couple nights ago, 94 years old, 67 years, the voice of the Dodgers. And I wanted to play uh, this clip from John Sandler, longtime play by play voice around UNLV basketball, was baseball announcer, football announcer, Southern California guy, um, you know, a little older than me. So, you know, we all grew up with, you know, and around. Vince Scully. People are older than us. Certainly grew up hearing Vince Scully. Here was John Sandler talking about uh, Dodger Stadium and what the experience was like and what a big deal Scully was. I remember walking through the crowd, and I'm, you know, a little kid, thinking to myself, that's so cool that you can hear him everywhere. They pipe his voice around the stadium. I don't know whether it was then or a little while later, I realized that everybody at the stadium brought a transistor radio and you remember what those are, little handheld radio, and was sitting there listening to Scully call the game while you're sitting at Dodger Stadium to the point where, and this is a true story, at one point early in his career in Los Angeles, he had to ask the crowd to turn down their radios because he was getting feedback. <laughs> it's insane, but that's what was happening. And at Dodger Stadium, it was the atmosphere. It was Vin's voice sort of wafting through the air at the game. It was part of the experience. Vin Scully's voice was part of the ambiance at Dodger Stadium. Really cool. Hmm. I, you know, when I saw that he had passed when it came across social media the other night, I was really sad for a few hours, like reading all the, the messages. I was sad. How about you, John? Uh, I wasn't. But here's the thing. What? That, that's, to, that's, to, that's to latch the audience in. Uh, what, what, what the hell's going on here? So here's the I thing. had no idea you were going to say that. No, well, it's always, it's always extremely sad when anybody loses life. So let of me just course, like, yes. put that out there in front. I'm yes. obviously being callous to attract attention. Um, that, like, that's, that's obviously very sad. But from, like, the fandom standpoint, like, the baseball fit, like, it is never it never connected with me. I know who Vince Scully is. Every bit of what I've heard from Vince Scully I am impressed with. I think he's a very, he was a very good broadcaster. But the fact that, it, for me at least, he was a baseball announcer, the fact that over the vast majority of the end of his career he was on a channel that I couldn't watch, right, all these things, it never – I've never been wrapped up in what Vince Scully is is like – you know, the persona. Right. Understood who he was, understood how good he was as his job, but him passing did not impact me as much as it did as everybody I saw on my timeline right. commenting on it, things like that. And so I also think it's more not just Vince Scully, and I've said this before and we've talked about it, 
I and I think more of my generation just don't connect with play-by-play voices the way that it used to be in the past, right? And so, I, I, and yep. I think that's probably part of it. You know, if if in however many years from now, right, when it went and if Joe, yeah, I shouldn't say if we are going to, but when and if Joe Buck passes away. I, I don't think that ge- people from my generation are going to have this sort of outpouring no. for a guy like Joe Buck because t- in today's day and age, they're all just much more human, right? We know them better. We get to know them personality-wise. They're more in tune with the media. You get to see more sides of them. And that's all I thought it was somewhat interesting was that when I saw it, I was like, oh, well, that stinks. You never want somebody to lose their life. Right. But it didn't impact me the way that it did a well, vast majority of people. You just nailed it. It's a generational thing. Right, so for generations older than you, they have more of a connection to Vince Scully. They also have more of a connection to listening to sports on the radio. Right, there's a lot more TV exposure now. So I'm sure there's some people right now who are like, "This guy, what a jerk." Well, I mean, I'll give you, a, a, you know, because older people will do this in reverse. Like, I don't know when Johnny Carson passed away. Like, that's another one of those like soundtracks of your life. Like, Carson was around all the time. I was affected by it. Right. Rob Deerdeck could die. He's the guy who does what? All the videos on MTV? <laughs> and, like, you might be connected. And I'd be like, well, that's sad. No, but, but when, when Big died from Robin Big, I felt really right? sad. Yeah. Right? But older generation, like, who cares? The guy threw the video. Like, but for for those people, that's a familiar. They're on TV all the time with that show, too. So yeah. when you sent this over, I was like, yeah, I mean, baseball isn't as popular as it used to be with younger people. Radio play-by-play isn't as popular as it used to be. And from a generational standpoint, you have different icons that you followed versus me and people are older than me. Yep. So nothing wrong with saying that. But it, but you're right. It is fascinating sometimes to see how people are affected by it because you're like, wow, I, I didn't realize what a big deal he was. Thanks to Silver 7s.